All right, everybody, welcome back to the Turn by Turn podcast. Today we are going to be talking about Corona Trigger. As always, I am joined with Alex. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain. Good. So, Chrono Trigger is a very, very popular game. Uh, what was your earliest experiences playing it? So, we've talked about this in previous things we've done together. Uh, like with the game Shining Force, you and I both found that through, or were able to access more things uh, with that through the website Fantasy Anime. And... Uh, I was on there for Shining Force things, and of course I was like, well, what else do they have? And they had one called Chrono Trigger uh, as part of their site dedicated to that game. And so looking through the art and things with that, um, of course I was like, I've got to find a way to play this game. It looked great. Um, and the rest is kind of history. I played it a ton as a kid, um, and I actually haven't played it since then, really. So I still look forward to getting back to it at some point because it was just fantastic. And it has stayed with me ever since as just one of the best stories I've seen in a game. Uh, what about you? Okay, so my experience is a little different because I want, would watch a lot of Let's Players on YouTube playing through games. And then I'd go on Twitter and they'd announce, oh, I have a new game coming out. And they'd give like these like vague-ish hints. And almost three quarters of the questions you'd receive would be, oh, you're going to do Chrono Trigger next. And I never really understood because all the, the hints were like various of like all kinds of different ideas, like nights and space and almost any topic you could imagine. And everyone was still guessing Chrono Trigger. So for the longest time, I was like, well, I've got to check this game out. It seems to encap encapsulate absolutely everything. My first time playing it was for this podcast. We set the episode to kind of give me the kick in the pants that I needed to finally try it out. And whew, this game literally covers basically everything. There's sci-fi, there's, there's swords, there's the Middle Ages, there's time travel. So... Um, just to bring it all back together, I'm going to quickly read the plot. Um, I did a lot of research on how to condense the plot to like a couple of sentences, so I'm not reading like a several-page plot description. And it came back to the only possible solution to describe this plot is the original reading on the back of the box. So to get our conversation rolling, I'm just going to read that quick. A portal is opened. The chain of time is broken. A young man is transported into the past, altering the course of history and the outcome of the future. He has to find his way home, but first he must travel to the outer edges of time to repair the world's chronology. On the way, he encounters strange friends and foes, utilizes incredible devices and vehicles, and penetrates and neutralizes the fortress of the past in the present and the future. A paradox has been created. If he does not restore the order of time, nothing will ever be the same. He is the one who will become a hero. He is Chrono. So, Alex, do you think this in any way, shape, or forms encompasses what this game is actually about? I mean, ba just barely. <laughs> it's just such an experience that it really is hard to just explain it. Um... And I really think every single piece of the experience is just such a part of it. Like, even from just booting up the game, um, in my notes I wrote, I made sure to write about that so I'd mention it. Right when you first boot it up, um, the title screen opens on just this swinging clock pendulum. And there's no music for, for a second. And then the music starts and you kind of, it transitions into the title screen. And to me, like, I don't know why, but every time I just looked forward to booting it up every time you, you just leave it running in the background because like I'm going to get back to it again pretty quickly. Uh, but Chrono Trigger was one I always made sure to properly shut down so I could see that title sequence again uh, every time because it just felt like the right way to start each session. I would agree with that. It almost kind of in the, this might be a little weird or personal, perhaps, but 
It's almost like the same feeling of when you turn on the GameCube, like the GameCube title card. Yes. Like, the cube rolling out that just like has become like a happy trigger sound for me. Like whenever I hear it. <laughs> yes, exactly like that. <laughs> I, I wrote that the title screen kind of gives me nostalgia, but it was giving me nostalgia before I'd even played it. So the game was originally came about with um, Hironobu Sakaguchi. Do you want me the, to do the names? That would probably benefit <laughs> us greatly. Sure, I, 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 I wrote that down too. We've got Hironobu Sakaguchi, who was the creator of Final Fantasy. And I mean, do, I, do we really need to give more of his credentials than that? Like, no. <laughs> and then his teammates were uh, Yuji Hori, who was one of the creators of Dragon Quest, um, which in America, or really anywhere other than Japan, that might not sound like quite as big a deal. But if you look at how Dragon Quest has been received in Japan, it is absolutely one of the biggest franchises ever there. And has just influenced so many other games um, that I, I could not even begin to list them all. Um, and then the final member of the team... The, uh, lead, lead, the leaders of the team, at least, was uh, Akira Toriyama, who was the creator of Dragon Ball and uh, Dragon Ball Z, as we know it here, uh, stateside. And that's another one that I'm like, do do I need to say more? The the inclusion of Toriyama is one of the reasons that it stuck out to me, because I I don't know about you, but I was, and still am, a pretty big like Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z fan. So like, after hearing about this game over and over for years and years and not really knowing anything about it to have that be the first thing that pop like popped up when looking at it like oh it's like goku kind of characters like really pulled me in quick yeah i i'm big into dragon ball as well and uh the main character chrono um i don't know if you've seen the dragon ball movie wrath of the dragon they introduce sort of an origin story for how trunks got his sword and uh, the answer is this alien named Tapion. And Tapion has a sword that looks... I, I mean, it, it's Trunks' sword. Um, but seeing it with Tapion, I kind of realized how much of a Chrono vibe he gave off. Like, he dresses a little bit like Chrono. He has the same red hair. Um, his complexion is similar. Like, a lot about his design is very similar. So I, I feel like Toriyama was definitely drawing on Chrono Trigger um, as an inspiration all these decades later for uh, that movie and that character. But I had already seen that, so it was weird. You know, when I first saw the Chrono Trigger art, I was like, oh, it's that Tapion guy from Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> um, and obviously it's not, but still. Given, like, the scope of this game, I feel like if they wanted to or needed to, it wouldn't be that hard to get Dragon Ball Z into the timeline of Chrono Trigger if they wanted to. Yeah. Um, I've got some things actually for the end of the show with that. Um, gotcha. <laughs> not so much Dragon Ball, but just some other things in the weird timeline. All three of these guys that were working on this game internally uh, at Square were apparently called the Dream Team. And I totally get why. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine, like, working with those guys? <laughs> no. I can't imagine the the massive inferiority <laughs> I would feel. <laughs> you know, because what am I going to do? Go to, a, go to a meeting, an internal meeting? What, am I going to make a suggestion to these guys? Like, I mean... I know. <laughs> I, I feel somewhat confident in my myself and my abilities, but just when you're confronted with not one but all three of these guys asking you anything i cannot imagine saying anything other than yes okay <laughs> yeah that sounds great <laughs> um and just all three of them uh i feel like have just changed the entire course of gaming and storytelling as a whole multiple times like each mm-hmm 
because I mean, Final Fantasy one changed the game, um, and then each one has been special. But then, kind of seven did it again. Uh, Dragon Dragon Quest um, again. One was great. Three train uh, three was really massive. That changed the game again. Um, and now it seems like eleven. I think is what we're on is doing really well with the the main guy getting into Smash Bros. Um, and then Akira Toriyama just. Everything he touches is magic. He's sort of like uh, Miyazaki with Studio Ghibli to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I kind of put him in that same kind of category. It's just, even though he was a young man once, he's always just been this wise old sage that everything he touches becomes a magical story (laughs) that I could just lose myself in literally forever. Yeah. Yeah. Like 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 the characters. <laughs> yeah, he. It's all just magic, and they all bring that to Chrono Trigger. I think all the best elements of Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, and Dragon Ball Z kind of morphed into one thing, which I think is what makes it so special. And one thing that really stuck out to me as we sort of continue on with our discussion was it felt like time travel was explained like explained really well and yes maybe it's just because more modern storytelling time travel is explained away as like oh of course it works we need it too for the plot versus like genuinely working as like an element of the story beyond oh there were continuity issues in our previous story so we're going to fix them with a like loosely veiled like time travel plot like Avengers Endgame or <laughs> X-Men Days of Future Past, where it's like, we messed it up, and here's a nonsensical like pro- plot realignment. Yeah, time travel gets really complicated from a narrative perspective, because once you introduce it, there's a lot of the times no unintroducing it. And you then, you, you can never introduce time travel into a narrative as a small thing or a small detail. Because then, from the player or the reader or the watcher, whatever medium the story is, the entire rest of the time, you're going to have to have some explanation as to why that doesn't solve all our problems. Why, why do we not use that? You know, we, we had a, fought a battle and we lost. Well, we can time travel. Why don't we just go back and then make it so we win? Like, we can do that for literally everything that happens. <laughs> Um, But Chrono Trigger never falls into that. And every time I felt like you would have that where it's like, well, I wish I could just do this. Um, You can. And the amount of choices in a game, especially that old, um, and the amount of choices that matter were really surprising to me. Um, I don't know if you you felt like that you, in your playthrough. You made a lot of the really important choices, or if you're aware of what some of those are. Because sometimes uh, I also realized that I wasn't sure when I was making a choice and when I wasn't. I guess. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's obviously not a greater decision that you have to make throughout the game, but the immediacy of the courtroom scene, where all your behavior from the um, the festival can get you labeled guilty or not guilty, which isn't in the grander scheme of the game doesn't matter as much because the same thing happens either way. But it's that like immediacy of, oh yeah, your decisions matter. Like you're going to be labeled a thief if you took the guy's chicken sandwich or whatever it was. Are you okay with me doing our first spoiler and moving into a, uh sort of uh, a spoiler about one of the choices you can make that really impressed me. Yeah. All right. So this is your warning. We we've given you why we think you should play the game. It's fantastic. Um, and I'll say here too, um, it did get remade for the DS, but they changed the entire soundtrack and the soundtrack was such an integral thing to me. Um, there were actually like, um, I think I said this back in our ranking video that, I was in the band in high school, and I loved the soundtrack so much. My parents, who were both musicians, um, wrote out parts of the soundtrack for me to play on bassoon. And I didn't ask that very often. Um, But Chrono Trigger's soundtrack was just so fantastic. 
that I wanted to be able to play some of those songs. So I would say skip the DS version and go back to play, however you can, the Super Nintendo version. Um, I know it's also on Steam these days, and I'm not sure which version that is, but that also might be an option for you. Um, so with all that said, the the first spoiler thing, um, one of the choices that really blew my mind uh, that involved time travel was... I don't remember the exact specifics, as I said, because it's been years, but you're in the past. Um, I think it's part of the prehistoric stuff because you go 65 million years in the past and you deal with cavemen and dinosaurs and uh, you can leave your robot in the past. You have a robot companion that you get as well from the future. You can leave him in the past to be tending to the forest and trying to sow crops and things. Um, because, like, let's say in the future, I think there's some sort of famine or something. Like I said, it's been a long time. But you can leave him in the past to try and combat this. And that's, again, that, well, why, you know, if we're going to have all these problems in the future, why can't we just use time travel to fix it? And the answer is you can. So you leave him in the past, and you get into your time machine, and you can go to the future. And there's a giant forest there now. Um, if you go far enough, if you don't go far enough, you can see him, uh, on the overworld tilling the soil because he's just there. Um, but if you go far enough to the future, you can pick him up, um, from a shrine that the people built for him to house his body after it stopped working, uh, after, you know, hundreds of years of fixing things. And so you find this little shrine and you can find his, ru- you know, his ruined remains. Um, and it's really the sad thing. But you, again, have future technology. So one of your companions uh, can take his body and fix it up. And then he'll rejoin you. And again, it's like when you're using tra- time travel, why would that not be a possibility? And the answer is, well, it is. Um, and so then he rejoins your party and... He lives happily ever after, essentially. Um, but you could also go back to the past, and now there's two of him because you left him there. So now you have him <laughs> with you, and he's in the past. And I th- don't remember entirely, but I think they have like weird interactions with that as well. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that kind of thing was really cool, and that's the kind of thing that I want out of a time travel story. Yeah, and I think that, like I was saying it doesn't ever feel forced like it makes sense for the story that you have to go traveling back in time and then forward in time and i feel like they do it in a way where it doesn't feel like a waste of time like some games they'll send you back to get this oh this thing that you missed before and that can be kind of annoying i think of um Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, where you have to travel island to island, and then you have to go back island to island to get, um, oh, what are they called? You're you're more of a Zelda person than me. I'm. I know. I should know. It's like the the Kokiri Leaf people. They probably have a real name. I'm horrible <laughs> with names, but um, it it gets very like tiresome, and you're wondering like, is this really worth it? And I feel like with the bouncing around you doing Chrono Trigger, it never feels like a waste of time. It feels like it really adds to the story that you have to go back and forth. And it all just in feeling organic. I never felt like it's kind of weird. I never felt like I was making tons of progress either, I guess, in that, um, you know, normally it's like if you're going to time travel back and stuff, it can be a big hassle. And so you're like, oh, you know, maybe this is like a new chapter of the game or something like there's sort of a checkpoint here. But it's just such a non-issue that you just kind of keep moving. Yeah, I w- especially towards the beginning, it feels like, am I making any progress at all? Because after the court thing, when you're thrown in prison, you're still sort of at the point in the game where you don't know... Like, was this supposed to happen? Did I mess something up? Like, where is the focus headed? 
and then you figure out how to get out of prison and the plot continues. Yeah, that that's sort he you you said that a lot better than I did. That's very much what I meant that I'm never I was never sure what the main plot was or what I was supposed to be doing. But you it feels really organic in that like the main character, you the player just sort of stumble onto things um that you might not be expecting. And then it advances the plot and you're like, oh, okay, like this is just what I'm doing. And I never got lost either. I just sort of always felt this way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think that's where like smaller story points or like things that seem like they'd be like one offs come back later. Like big spoiler for the game when Chrono dies, like you go back to the the festival and get like the chrono doll and that becomes the new chrono and that's just such a small little detail at the beginning of the game that you wouldn't even really think of it and then it comes back to be a major element of the game later the beauty of it is in the details it was just like a silly game at the beginning to kind of get you like used to the controls and then it turns out to be one of the biggest plot points in the whole game Um, And like you said, because of the time travel and stuff, backtracking never feels like a chore. Which is huge for me when I play games because I get frustrated if like I like follow the rabbit trail and it doesn't lead me anywhere. So I really liked it with this where everything was like a self-reflection on itself. Yeah, and I think it also helps in navigation that the world map is not massive. It's just stacked on top of each other through the lens of time travel. So if I need to go from the castle to the town, that's not a very far walk. But even if I need to go from the castle in the future to the town in 65 million BC, all I have to do is move from the castle to the town, which is not that far walk, or where the town used to be, and then we rewind time, and I'm there. It's just not that big a deal. Yep. I did appreciate that the maps were smaller. Just with the the advent of um, open world where it's like travel several miles of digital space to get to the next thing. It felt fun to have that smaller map with a heavier focus on the story rather than um, using its size as a filler instead of plot yes which i think some games do really well and some games don't do very well where it's like rather than like make it deeper or more personal it gets a larger map so you're running around more yeah and i know i've definitely like you said you get frustrated um i don't feel like i get that frustrated commonly but I've definitely just dropped some games the second or third time. They're like, hey, remember that thing you saw at the beginning of the game? Yeah, I want you to go get that now. And I'm like, I'm thousands of miles away from that. And I, fast travel's not really a thing. You want me to walk that whole way? And then I'll Google it. And the answer will be like, no, no, it actually wants you to walk that whole way. I'm just like, eh. <laughs> you know, I think I'll just Google the ending. <laughs> Like a great example is at the beginning of the game, you're reading like um, inscriptions on like stone tablets. And then it's like, oh, yeah, go back to the beginning. There was an inscription on the bottom of the tablets also. Yeah, yeah, that could have been potentially really awful. Um, When you go to the past or to the future, they vary each time you're there, which also helps to kind of space out the story a little because... The first time you go to the Middle Ages, it's about the missing queen. And then when you return on future visits, it's more about Cyrus and the the frog and Glenn, Glenn, which we can talk more about in a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was actually going to say maybe we should move into talking about some of the characters. I was going to follow sort of our Fire Emblem format and just go through the companions because there's not that many. Yep, that works for me. Um, so an important part of Chrono Trigger, too, is that you can name every character. So I'm curious as to what you named them. Um, so let's start with, uh, what did you name Chrono? 
I named Chrono Rom, R O M. Interesting. So uh, I can explain why. So, yeah, I I would like to know. There is a character in Marvel Comics named Rom the Space Knight, and he's um he's like a robot that has like a blaster gun, and he's been my username for all of my video gaming needs ever ever since I sort of fell in love with him. Like I don't even really. I think he fights dire wraiths, which are some sort of species that's trying to eliminate humans. And ever since then, it's just every every character has been Rom or Rom the Space Knight, depending on the amount of space I'm allowed. But it's always Rom. That's that's a good answer. Um, I was a lot sillier with it, I guess. Because um, when I was playing this, I was probably like seven or eight years old. So I named Chrono Alex, you know, just my name. And then <laughs> I can't believe I'm, I'm just talking about this on a show. Um, the first companion you get to name, I believe, is uh, Marley, which is uh, sort of the, the, the princess, as you, you later find out. Um, but I named her after the girl that I was heavily crushing on at that time. So I'm not <laughs> going to say what that name is. But... Uh, I, I just think that's really funny looking back <laughs> at it. <laughs> that's good. Why not? Uh, well, I can tell you why not. <laughs> because <laughs> I did not know all the companions. And eventually you get a uh, cavewoman companion. And I thought she was way prettier than Marley. So I was <laughs> like, well, darn, I guess I should have saved that name, huh? Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> no remake. So, what did you name marley i named marley desi i went kind of random with my names i'm not even sure why why i chose that at this point but it was desi all right um i cannot remember what i named luca the third companion your sort of engineer girl she uh she's pretty interesting um what, what did you name her i named her peggy and um i don't i don't really have a reason she she looks like she could be a Peggy. I, I see that. Right? What did you uh, name your robot? Uh, I can't totally remember either. I might have named him. Uh, I was big into Sonic as a kid, so I feel like I might have gone with like E102 Gamma or Beta or something, because that's the robot from Sonic. But I just I can't totally remember. What did you name him? I named mine Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Alan the robot. Just I thought it was I, I was like super proud of myself for it, just because I thought, oh, that's so random. Yeah, and anybody that wants to criticize to criticize either of our names, the robot's default name is Robo, and you also get a frog companion, and his default name is Frog. So it's not like we're we're putting in a little bit more effort than I think went into the names to begin with. Well, funny story is when I got him, I was gonna call him Robo. And I thought I was super clever. And then his name was Robo, which is why I decided to go with Alan. That's hilarious. Because I was like, oh, I'm going to call him Robo. That's really like smart of me because he's a robot. And then that was his actual name, which like made me so disappointed. I was like, fine, it's Alan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk about which ones we used at the end of this, I guess. So yeah. what did you name Frog? I left I left him Frog. After that I didn't change anybody's names. Oh, you didn't? No, I I had reached my peak with Alan. So <laughs> what oh. would you name after that? How do you how do you top that? I I actually had a pet frog. Um and his name was Bongo. So I named Frog Bongo. Nice. Uh and then the next companion you get is the cave woman Ayla. So you just left her Ayla. Yep. I do not remember what I named her. I just remember being so disappointed that she was prettier than <laughs> the girl that I liked. <laughs> um, so, and then you just left Magus as Magus. Yep. Okay. How about you? Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about usability. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, you gotta use Chrono. Yep. Um, did you have like your uh, you get a three person party um, so it's chrono and then two others 
So who who is your in your first slot usually? Uh, first slot would be. You mean other than Chrono? Yeah, I would use. Um, oh, what's her name? Desi. I can't remember the character's real name. Marley. I would yeah. use Marley and Frog, but um, Frog and Robo and Chrono would be my top my top three. That mm-hmm. I would like. Yeah, I think that was my top three too. Um, subbing in Ayla every so often. I didn't care for Luca's kit that much, so I didn't use her a whole lot. Um, same with Marley. The crossbow just didn't really do it for me. I liked her her magic, which is why I kept her in for a, a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. But Peggy, Peggy's was super boring compared to everybody else. She was the first person I dropped. Yeah, same. And I made sure to write in my notes though. I really liked the way that the team arts were done because it just made me feel like, let's see, yeah, it felt really rewarding using all of the characters because the way the team arts work, uh, if you haven't played the game, is characters sort of interact with each other to do super moves and sometimes there's two two man uh team arts um the two characters team up to do um but you could even get three person team arts and do these massive attacks that are unique to all three of the characters you specifically have out right now and so i made sure to at least use luca and marley some to make sure I got to see what they could bring to the table and what they could bring to those team attacks because they were really cool to unlock and see. Do you want to um, actually hop to a quick break and then come back and talk about the specifics of the gameplay? Yeah, we'll, we'll do that and uh, we'll finish talking about my usability or the characters I used uh, after the break. All right, we will be right back. Hey, this is TC. And this is Jim from the Studio Demands It podcast. Where every episode we take a demand from a hypothetical studio. Which could be you. And challenge ourselves to conceptualize, pitch, and craft a film based on the stipulations. Or the demands. We are given. We talk about movies all the time. Particularly, we complain about the choices made in the films we've seen. We're nerds like that. And, of course, like any good nerd does, we automatically assume that we could do better. Even with the demands and restrictions that clearly must have been put on by a production. So head on over to studiodemandsit.com and listen to our previous library of episodes. Our library of previous episodes. Our precious library, Jim. (laughs) Our library of precious episodes. (laughs) You're a pirate Smeagol. Okay. So head on over to studiodemandsit.com to listen to our library of episodes. And submit your demand for a future episode, too. So go do that. Okay, bye. Okay, end of ad. Hi there, I'm David. And I'm Kate. And we're the hosts of another Zelda podcast. There are so many good podcasts out there, and some of them in particular concern the Legend of Zelda. <laughs> That's right, Kate, and we are another one of them. we That is actually the name of our show, Another yes. Zelda Podcast. And in our show in particular, we talk about some of our favorite dungeons, characters, boss battles. We have top ten lists. Yeah, we do deep dives on game design and production aspects of the different Zelda games. And we talk about our own experiences. We do some review episodes, talk about our challenges, our struggles, and our victories. That's right. You know, really just almost anything that has to do with Zelda, we like to talk about it. A new episode comes out every other Friday, and you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and YouTube. And you can also check out our episodes on our website, anotherzeldapodcast.com. That's right. All right, we will see you there. Okay, bye! All right, everybody, we are back from our break, and I believe where we left off was Alex was going to give us more of a breakdown of some of his favorite characters. Sort of. Um, the reason I'm being weird about this, let's let's jump into the next. Uh, so, so a big thing that I think is really cool about this game um, that I can't even name newer games that have this, there are 13 different endings to Chrono Trigger. And your path through the game and the choices you make along the way help determine what ending you get. So, you ask me things about uh, Magus and what I named him and if I used him and stuff. 
he probably would have been in my top three uh, and would have been a permanent part of my team. I never recruited Magus. He ended up being um, a second sort of final boss for me in the ending that I got. Really? Yeah, and I knew from the website that uh, I used Fantasy Anime, they had, like, screenshots of different things, and they had, like, the breakdown of all the recruitable characters. But I was not using a walkthrough or anything. So I kept trying to recruit Magus, and instead I ended up fighting him as a final boss. And I remember being really upset that I was like, no, no, I want you to join me. And he's like, I'm going to kill you. And I'm like, oh, well... I guess this is just my destiny and this is my ending. So uh, I saw researching for this show too. That There's apparently one other character you can miss. And I'm not sure who that is. They didn't say. But apparently you can miss somebody else too. Um, and it might be as simple as like you didn't go pick up the robot after you left him in the past. Or I think the frog at one point wants to like sacrifice himself and maybe you can let him do that. It, it'd be a, a time travel thing versus like a plot thing, I think. Like you were saying with Robo. Yeah. Um, but Magus, I never got that option. Or if I did, it came in a choice that I did not recognize as that choice. <laughs> um, so yeah, he ended up uh, on the end of my sword. And that, that was the end of Magus's story with me. <laughs> Did you ever go back on another playthrough and make sure you got him? No, I still haven't. Um, but one of these days, I will definitely be doing that and checking with a little walkthrough just to make sure I don't miss him. <laughs> That's uh, my my long-term goal with um, some of the Fire Emblem games, to go back during quieter moments of life and getting all the people that I missed. Yeah, for sure. Um, so... Do you want to talk about what ending you got? So I got the, what I'm assuming, it, it's hard to know, like, what, what is the, like, since there's so many potential endings, what ending is the real one? Does uh, it, I, I don't think there is. matter? <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't think there is. I think there's some that are not real. Like if you want to go over that one real quick. Um I've just looked them up. Um let me see. There's one there's only one that I would call like not a real ending. I I'm on the list. I'm trying to figure out which one it is. So, my ending was um the final battle with Lavos with Magnus or Mag Mag Magnus, Magus. Magus on your side, and you have to get rid of Lavos. And along the way, you fight like kind of the baby Lavoses that are ready to to head to other planets. Yeah, I don't fully remember what ending I got. Um, I just remember I had to fight Magus and then fight Lavos. And that was my big ending. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to find that joke ending still. If I remember right. Um, um, okay, so one of the endings I know is you can get a bad ending. You can challenge Lavos. And then if you lose, there actually is a cutscene for the game ending. And Lavos destroys the world. And that is the end of the game. And you get a game over. <laughs> So that is an ending. I know the the joke when I can't find it right now, but I've been told that there is a um I think you fight Lavos at the very beginning of the game and you're not supposed to win. You can challenge him like really early and you're you're not supposed to win. It's like a plot thing. Um but if you do win, then it takes you to a dev room with a bunch of the developers there and stuff and they Yeah, here we go. I just found it. Um the most difficult ending to achieve. It can only be won by defeating Lavos at the very beginning of the game using only Chrono and possibly Marley. Um, you return to the end of time, which is sort of the uh, hub world, or hub, I guess. Um, 
except now there are people and creatures all over the place representing the dev team for the game. Um, you get to go around and meet everybody who helped develop the game. They say funny lines and make fun of you for probably cheating um, <laughs> because they're, you shouldn't be able to win in the way that you just did. And then some of them will also tell you that they're not proud of you and they're going to reset the game because you've cheated. <laughs> so I don't really consider that a real ending. Yeah, but I, I do think that's really cool. What a nice touch. I might have to go back and see if I can somehow accomplish that. Although, I mean, you'd have to cheat, most likely. I know, there must be like, like hacks or like, input codes to kind of get there <laughs> but um what so your favorite characters were chrono the frog and the robot yeah that's that's who i mostly used with uh ayla coming in every so often because mm -hmm. i liked her too sure did you like well not like but what did you think of the robot not having magic did that annoy you or were you cool with that um, I was cool with that because it just was like, I, I don't know, logically, I guess it made sense to me <laughs> that like he's a robot. How would he do magic? Like he doesn't really because to me, like nature in a lot of fantasy settings or magic comes from nature and the robot doesn't really have nature. Like he's just sort of ones and zeros. So it makes sense to me. And uh he still had ways of doing things like uh didn't he have like a flamethrower i uh maybe i think mine got like a flamethrower so it he could still do like fire damage or something and i was like okay then you it's it's not magic quote quote but you still got something yep he he did have very strong attacks which like took the place of the magic, so it never really bothered me that he didn't have magic. But since most, I'm pretty sure the rest of the characters did have some level of magic. I'm trying to. Did Ayla have magic? I didn't really use her too too much. Um. Or was she more just physical? She's more just physical. Yeah. I'm looking at like her, uh, her attacks and stuff. Um. Yeah, like her ultimate move is triple kick. So it's it's not so much magic. That would make sense then. I can check anybody else you want me to as well. Uh nope, that's all right. All I right. Was just w wondering if there was other other characters that also didn't have magic. Cuz I'm pretty sure the rest of them had some level of magic whether you want to use it or not would be another question. So that kind of leads us into themes, I think, as well. Mm -hmm. I, f I feel like one of the big themes of Chrono Trigger is really um, you fight a lot of a lot of the boss fights and things are really large creatures. And I, I felt like also time, sort of that whole theme, it was about small things conquering big things or small people conquering big problems. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that, and I think um, to the same degree, legacy is a pretty big theme of the game. Yeah, that definitely. The legacy of the issue carrying over time, like time and time again, is you have all these societies dealing with the exact same problem that's not going away, and you sort of need a trigger to set the course of time right to correct an issue. Yeah, and there's also um, sort of a, like, they they figure out that Lavos is going to be a... So, so Lavos, if you haven't played the game, um, I know I realize we kind of skipped over that. Lavos is the final boss that you can challenge at any time with your time machine, and it's sort of this alien that came to Earth and is absorbing DNA from all the things around it, until it becomes a big enough threat to destroy the Earth. And people figure this out in, like, the Middle Ages. Um, and so I think that ties in with the theme, because there's also this, like, in the Middle Ages, they are like, well, there's nothing we can do about this right now. 
we can't solve this problem right now, but we can take some steps so that in several generations, maybe uh, some of our descendants will be able to solve this problem. So that just kind of ties in, I think, a lot with the legacy of the whole thing and uh, sort of what the game is trying to teach you from a moralistic standpoint, that even if you can't fix something, you can do a small step to uh, start it on the path to being fixed at some point. Yep. I would totally agree with that. And I think that that's one of the reasons why the game works is that it leads you through this like time traveling experience that's all like a character from every time period is helping correct this problem that maybe not significant at the time it's happening over time it builds and they need all the heroes from all the different times to help put an end to it uh yeah and I also wanted to talk some about the way they put an end to that and the battle system. I, especially for an old game, was so impressed with the battle system. Um, namely that it doesn't... Uh, w when you're exploring an area and then like let, you can see the creatures in front of you and if uh, you get into combat or something... It isn't like Final Fantasy where, or Pokemon where it whisks you off to a battlefield that's a different screen in a different location. Um, it just happens on the overworld where you are. And there's no load screen or anything. Your character just draws a sword and you're in battle. And that's it. The one thing that annoyed me about that was um, that the character... It adds to the realism of it, so it's kind of a good thing, but a bad thing for me specifically, where I did not like that the enemies would move around the map. So like if you wanted to do like a combo, like the en like and attack multiple enemies, if you like pressed like A at the wrong point, you'd end up only getting one because they had moved just out of the range. I don't know if that annoyed you. Um, it didn't annoy me too much. I, I liked... To me, it was just such a nice thing that... Um, in some of the RPGs I've played that have like random encounters, getting into a random encounter can just be so annoying because it, like, it just feels like such an interruption um, of what okay. I'm doing. But Chrono Trigger just made it feel so normal, I guess, and so not like a hassle that... Um, even small things like that, I was willing to totally overlook because anytime I got into a random battle, it just didn't annoy me. Yeah, it annoyed me a little, um, but I agree with what you're saying that it doesn't pull you out of the story because it's like, oh, here's a separate location. It leaves you kind of suspended within the story, even though you're having a battle. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, the graphics were also just really, really nice. Um, Akira Toriyama did the art, so everything, just everything looks fantastic. <laughs> I know. I, I don't have a single complaint. I thought, um, as far as the gameplay goes, I thought some of the bosses were really hard. <laughs> and, uh, like which ones? Um... The Hecarin I thought was pretty hard, where you can only use the magic on it, and at that point in the game you've just gotten magic, so it's not very high level. That one took me a couple of different times to get it right. Um, yeah, I remember that one. The I don't remember the name of it, but when you're breaking out of prison, you have to fight like a metal dragon, like steampunk dragon on a bridge, and you have to systematically take it apart in different sections before you can finally kill it and i i thought they it was pretty hard but maybe it's just because i hadn't like grinded enough to get my characters up to snuff to do it so it could be a me thing versus uh it's actually hard thing um i don't know maybe a little of both 
Yeah. But again, like I always say, I'm not very good at video games. So what might be hard for me is a piece of cake for anyone with average level gaming abilities. But I also, I thought the graphics were really good. And I think something about this game, which I'm not sure tie into a theme necessarily, but I feel like it holds up really well. Like it feels like a vi- it could be a very modern game that would drop now and people would still have interest in it. Uh, I agree. And there's times I wonder why that doesn't happen. Like, why why do we not get games like this anymore? And I'm sure there's a reason. And I know that there are indie developers that try. Um, some that even we you, I know you and I are friends with that are working on things uh, a little bit like this. But it's weird to me that um, AAA studios don't realize that there's a lot of people I feel like that would be happy with a game just like Chrono Trigger in this day and age. And if you put the same amount of money into it that you would have put into a normal game, I guess, like the budget for games is just so insane these days. Oh, yeah. If, if you put a couple million dollars into a game and your graphical style was like Chrono Trigger, I can't imagine how big you could make it. I know, right? <laughs> I like I, I can't even fathom all the things that would allow you to do. That's about all I have for Chrono Trigger. I do have some things. Um, I, I talked about you, you talked about at the beginning Dragon Ball being looped into this. Um, do you want me to kind of go into sequels and other weird timeliney things? Uh, yeah, and then actually, I w- there's uh, like a cup, at least one weird thing in the game i want to talk about too (laughs) sure sure um so for starters uh if you just need more chrono trigger in your life um and i don't know if daniel knew this there is an ova or an original video animation um it never got officially translated to english but there are fan translations out there and uh it's about two creatures from the game that run a booth at the festival from the start of the game, but they get bored and leave and wander around the fairgrounds and see the motorcycle guy that you can race from the future. That's um, actually something I wanted to talk about. That I just... Sure, go for it. Good so, time. when you're in the future, you face, like, Johnny Racecar. Yes. Or something. Yeah, I think that's his name. And then, like, totally out of the plot, you just have this, like, random, like, race car battle with this really cool guy who I I really think his name is, like, Johnny Racecar. Like, it's been a while since I did that part of the game, but it's just so out of the sort of scope of the game and just you're all of a sudden on like a mo- like a spacecraft racing this motorcycle and it's incredibly easy but it's just so weird that it like pulled me out of the game completely it felt like a different game or something just totally different what did you think about that uh, i thought it was awesome <laughs> it is awesome it's just so random it is, uh, but to me, it was just like, I mean, we're already not allowing ourselves to be con- constrained by time period or anything like that, really, in terms of story, so why not not be constrained in terms of genre in the game itself? Yeah, it's like, here's a talking motorcycle character. <laughs> um, the end of that OVA then has the the two creatures meeting um i couldn't figure out what his name was i guess it's gato mm-hmm. um it, it depends uh on the translation you're using in, J- in japanese his name is gonzalez and i so i don't know why they translated it to gato because like gonzalez is not that weird of a name in english either is it because um, he's a cat right yeah yeah so maybe that's why i don't know it was just very oh, strange but too he shows up in the uh, OVA too, um, and that whole thing takes place the night before the main game starts. 
Um, so I, I won't say too much more about it, but I definitely think it's a watch. If you, it's worth a watch if you just need a little more Chrono Trigger in your life. Um, and then some other things that came out. Um, so there were sort pseudo sequels to Chrono Trigger through the Satellaview for the Super Famicom or the Super Nintendo in Japanese. Um, are you aware of what a Satellaview is, Daniel? <laughs> Absolutely not. All right. So for our people out there that don't know what a Satellaview is, it was a thing you put on the bottom of your Super Nintendo. And this was only in Japan. Again, so you, if you're American or anything other than Japanese, you didn't miss out. This was not available to you. Um, and it was a sort of satellite uplink thing. Um, to put it in really layman's terms, where Nintendo could beam you games to play for a limited time. And so the games that were on there sort of rotated. Think about it like a Netflix sort of thing, that it rotates what game you're allowed to play on it. Um, and one of those was Chrono Trigger Jet Bike Special. Um, and it was the Jet Bike mini game from the future as a standalone game. <laughs> Um, wow. So that was a thing. Um, there was also a character library that showed up on the Satellaview for a while. Um, that just let you look through character profiles and extra things about them. Um, there was a music library that I assume just let you stream the music from the game if you wanted to, like a sound test. Um, and this was all through the Satellaview, but it says, uh, the internet tells me that these were re-released on later versions of the game as well. So, they have not been completely lost to time. Unlike, uh, I guess you can still kind of play it, I don't know. The Satellaview, because they were so, like, there weren't physical copies made of these, it's really hard to preserve them. It was then, and now it's hard to play them now. Um, in, any, in any way you can imagine. Like, they're just not really available. Um, but there is a sequel to Chrono Trigger, call, uh, also through the Satellaview, called Radical Dreamers Nusuninai Hoseki, or literally translated, The Jewel That Cannot Be Stolen. Um, and it was a Japanese-only text-based game uh, in 1996. Um, the story was apparently just a side story sort of happening at the same time as Chrono Trigger, from what I understand, in the same world. Uh, what, what do you think about that one? <laughs> uh, it sounds... <laughs> it sounds like interns or something were... <laughs> were left with the future of this game and they were just kind of burned out on ideas. Um, that is sort of the story of Satellaview, in my opinion. Everything that came out for it was sort of that way. Um, they also got a unique Fire Emblem game on it called BS Fire Emblem. Um, yeah, it, it's unfortunate way that's aged in the BS name, but... Uh, <laughs> It was really, it was like six chapters of Fire Emblem that had some really jank stuff in it. Like, uh, there's a character, just, just a quick side, side path rabbit trail. Um, there's a character in BS Fire Emblem that's an old man. And I think it was like, he only is recruited to your team if you wait 100 real world minutes on the map. <laughs> and then there's no dialogue. He doesn't say anything. He just changes from red to blue. And now you control him. <laughs> so, yeah, the whole Satellaview thing does kind of seem like interns just kind of messing around like, hey, I wonder if we can do this. Um, but I guess somebody at Square and Chrono Trigger, that team, liked the idea. And they re-released or released uh, the game Chrono Cross for the PS1. And that was in 1999 for Japan and 2000 for us in America. And uh, the story is at least partly a remake of Radical Dreamers. So it became a more official sequel and uh, seems to keep that same 
trend going of having a side story going at the same time as Chrono Trigger. And I've never played that one, but that one you can find. I mean, it came out for the PS1 in America, so you can find it still these days. I was doing a little research on that one, and the art style looked pretty different. I don't know if it was yeah, just that it was more 3 I haven't played it, so I'm not sure, but I don't know if it was more 3D, and that's kind of what kind of messed with the original like, like beauty of the game, or or not, but... I, I agree. I, I think it doesn't look nearly as good. Like it didn't it didn't make me want to try it out. Yeah, I felt the same as a kid looking at it. And now that I'm older, I don't mind as much. But uh, I would probably replay Chrono Trigger before diving into it. And then I still might, you know, be tapped out enough <laughs> that I wouldn't want to. All right, any other last second thoughts before we start wrapping up? Uh, yes, um, I had a little bit more on that. Um, at one point, Square trademarked the name Chrono Break, and that was in 2001. And they said the Chrono Cross team was interested in continuing the Chrono series. Um, but at the end of 2003, they dropped the trademark and have not talked about it since. Hmm. Um, some of the creators have said they have no desire at all to continue the series. But uh, this is sort of bringing in that Dragon Ball idea. Uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi, the Final Fantasy guy, has created another series called Blue Dragon. And I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, nope. Akira Toriyama did the art for that as well. And was also involved in that one. So we got two of the three. And uh, Sakaguchi himself has said he considers that series to be sort of a spiritual extension of Chrono Trigger. And I play, I, I've played some of the Blue Dragon games, and I think um, I can do a quick search real, real quick. I don't think Blue Dragon is still ongoing. I think that series is done too. Um, but it got an anime series that was pretty good, I thought. Um, it wasn't, like, the best thing ever, but it was all right. Um, I'm trying to look it up real quick. I think, while you're looking that up, that I feel like I'm content with what we got with Chrono Trigger. There's not, like, I need a part two or I need mm -hmm. a, a prequel of... We kind of got the past and the future already, so, like, without kind of forcing the issue what would a sequel even be like what would a satisfying sequel look like and i'm not sure there's an answer for that so i think that should probably just just leave it if you want to leave well enough alone exactly if you wanted to like tweak it or something like like bring it into like a 3d space kind of like they've done with um with link's awakening if they wanted to do it with like a different art style like that, I could get behind. But I think it's just so perfect as it is that kind of why bother? Not that sequels can ruin the legacy of something. Like if you like something, uh, I don't know. I, I think it can. I think yeah. it can. If you're not <laughs> it, it can taint it if you let it. But yeah, I, I get what you mean. Like it would sort of be like, uh, trying to write a sequel to Lord of the Rings now, um, which I guess happened to. So maybe that's a bad example. Tolkien did do things after that. Um, but I don't know, maybe other classic stories like uh, The Great Gatsby or 1984 or um, Of Mice and Men. You know, it'd just be weird to take these classic stories and be like, yeah, you know what? This really needs part two. Yeah. <laughs> Chrono Trigger, I think, is just the perfect example of a classic game that everybody should play at least once. And maybe you're right that they should just leave well enough alone. If if we've gotten their best effort with the other things you were talking about, they can definitely leave it alone. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I saw, too, fans did try to make a sequel uh, that took place um, with Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross. And they named it Chrono Trigger Crimson Echoes. 
Um, and apparently they made it to 98% complete. And then Square hit them with a cease and desist order and the game was never released. Perfect and doesn't need to be created, but I would be very interested if people have ideas. So if you have any ideas for a Chrono Trigger sequel or prequel or whatever, send them my way because I'd love to hear what you where you think the story could go. Oh, for sure. And I said for me, at least, sequels can really ruin a story. But if it's a fan-made sequel, then it's a lot easier for me to take it or leave it because it's not official. I don't have to go with it if I don't want to. But if you write a fantastic story or something... Um, then yeah, I'll definitely make it my headcanon at least that that's how it goes. All right. So how about we wrap it up there? Um, I'm trying to be better about announcing our social channels. So bear with me. Um, we are now on Instagram at the turn by turn podcast and we're on Facebook at the turn by turn podcast. Um, we are available wherever podcasts are sold, even though we're free to listen to. So, uh, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would love a five-star review and a comment. Um, somewhere down the road, I'd like to do like a comments episode if we get enough comments and kind of listener feedback. I think oh, it'd be great. fun to do, do an episode of like delving into what everybody was saying about their thoughts on the games. I think that would be a really cool episode. So definitely send us your comments. And until next time, I'm Daniel, along with Alex, and we will talk to you soon. See you guys. Bye.